Where the hell have you been, soldier? Training, sir! Training, sir! What kind of training, son? Pizza training, sir! Welcome to episode 26 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Drew Helmholtz with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I am still Sam with Fowler Consulting. That's amazing that you are still Sam. I had a thought by now you'd have changed your name. Well, trust me, some people want me to change, but uh, <laughs> it just doesn't seem to be happening. Let's see, on today's fabulous episode, our segments are going to seem very similar if you've ever heard us before. We're going to talk about where we've been. We're going to talk, let's talk training, and we're going to discuss what gets measured, gets done. We're going to review the fabulous book, The Coffee Bean, which may be the shortest book we've ever done. In fact, we might just read it to you during the podcast. We're going to talk about what we've taken from the stores. We'll have a fabulous conversation with our guest, Jason Shiflett, franchisee from Olive Branch. We'll get on the road again, and then we'll land this boat. Crash this plane? Wait, no. Those are all the wrong analogies again, Sam. I'll get it right one day. But, you know, I think, as you said, crash this plane. And <laughs> if if my memory serves me, and obviously I don't have your calendar in front of me, but you're going to be on a plane in a day or two. So um, let's skip the crash this plane thing, because I would really like to get to episode 27. All right. I mean, I think you would just do it without, but it's okay. <laughs> have a cardboard cutout out there. It'd about be the same. It's fine. Oh, wow. Hey, uh, with that said, uh, let's uh, see if Johnny Cash can get us back on track. I've been everywhere, man. I've been everywhere, man. Across the desert, bear, man. I breathe the mountain air, man. I travel, I've had my share, man. I've been everywhere. So, Drew, where you been? Well, you know, Sam, I haven't traveled much this part of the year, so it's been great for me to get out and join Team Murph at their annual retreat. Uh, they were kind enough to have me do uh, a straight classroom version of Better Than Yesterday for their team. And then day two, I came in and did a whole piece on the Eisenhower prioritization matrix because there's just so much stuff going on. And, and you know what's more important? Food, labor, service, people, EBITDA, like there's so much going on. So to help them prioritize and, and get the answers that they gave me off of a couple activities around prioritization, uh, it was just a blast to go out and be with Team Murph, especially in the fact that they chose Gulf Shores, Alabama, where it's like 65 degrees as opposed to 15 or 20 back in Michigan. So that's where I've been, Sam. How about you? I was uh, also enjoying some just marvelous weather. I was in a Holiday Inn Express in Carlsbad, California, and uh, that led me wait, to... Wait, 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 wait. So you spent the night in a Holiday Inn Express? I did, so that's, that, should, that should make this podcast the best one yet, according to their marketing. But uh, that put me really close to Oceanside, California, where I spent three days with Shane Casey and his team I had the opportunity to spend a lot of time with Sid and with uh, Jaden. We did a couple of leadership classes with his leadership team, and uh, that was always fun. It's some of my favorite curriculum to do. But then on the third day, 
Jaden took me to Camp Pendleton. And I'll tell you, I, at the tender age of 57, I was a little nervous at the gate to get into Camp Pendleton because I, I didn't have the proper credentials. I had my driver's license. And as far as I know, I don't have any criminal record. Uh, so I wasn't too worried about it. But it's just very interesting seeing the brave young men and women that serve our country so well. But as you drive up, everybody's in fatigues, of course. It's a military base. And they're all carrying really big guns. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not I'm not a gun toting guy. Um, so that was uh, that was an eye opening experience. And then Jaden gave me, you know, the civilian tour of the base. And we went by the large artillery and large doesn't even begin to explain how big those guns were. So, you know, here's a little farm boy from Dexter in the middle of Camp Pendleton. And uh, so that was pretty eye opening. Uh, it was it was a good time. and then. I uh, went a little closer to home after I got back from California. I was up in Lansing with the Five Star Pizza Company, Eric Arnston and his group. He has doubled his company in size over the last 12 to 18 months. And he was asking me for some help with how to run better above store meetings. And I think we made a lot of progress there and probably going to continue that relationship on for a little while longer as... Team Five Star Pizza Company gets their legs below them and becomes probably one of the best operating franchises here in the United States, which is, you know, saying a lot, especially with, you know, our guest that's coming up later who runs just an amazing set of stores. So that's where I've been. That's nice. Pendleton is one of the favorite places I've been. I got to go when I was running the construction team back in 2012, 2011. And it's amazing when you're driving down, um, it's I-5 there, right? And the base is on both sides. And the day I was doing it, they were doing some exercise. So the Blackhawks were going over. There are a couple vessels out that they're firing at out on the ocean. And it's just like, like just, you're right. Sheer size and scope of everything that's happening is amazing. Um, And the base is included in that. Yeah, it's a little odd driving up or down the five. And there's live artillery shells going over your head. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm driving along in my rental car with, with the air conditioning on and listening to music. And then all of a sudden you hear, and I'm like, Oh, okay. (laughs) I'm not in Kansas anymore, Toto. (laughs) No. And that is one of the coolest stores on the planet. Uh, the way Shane has has built that into a monster, and it it is just gorgeous inside and out. So yeah, well, just just, just a fun point place of restaurant, uh, just point of um, point of what the heck am I trying to say? Oh my goodness gracious! Point of spear, point of point of, point of order, point, point of, of order. Fact. Okay, no, <laughs> I like order. point of order. Point of order. Um, rest, uh, Shane doesn't have any stores; he has Correct. restaurants. And in fact, he has two restaurants on base. And then Dan Hussini has a third restaurant on base. So there's three restaurants on one Marine base, and they are doing about tenfold the national average out of those three restaurants on one Marine base. Um, So just sleep well at night knowing we've got highly trained men and women uh, protecting this country, and they're very well fed. That is a fabulous segue into Tom Petty. I'm to fly. Got 
So this week, Sam, I, I want to talk about, well, what gets measured gets done. It's that time of year. Everybody's getting their goals together. Maybe you're finalizing a couple things or making a couple adjustments. The final P&Ls have come in and, and you, you have your, your goal sheet. And I, I came from the Patrick Doyle thinking where I, I loved his base analogy, right? So, so goals are basically set up as people, operation, sales, and profit. And you have those four goal buckets. And it's amazing to me that, that when it comes to profit, everybody can pick a number that they need as a goal, whether it's for a franchise, a supervisor area, or a store. When it comes to sales, we know how much we're supposed to do or what the uh, percent change over last year should be. When it comes to ops, we can, we can drill in and, and measure it based on customer metrics or you know, some, some food or labor variant. But people, how do we measure people? I mean, I'm 6'8". I can measure height. So as I'm talking with clients, we, have, we struggle so hard with measuring people. So I figured we could take this time, Sam, and we could use it as like a best practice moment for our listeners and talk about various ways that they can measure their people, whether at the store level or at the above store level. What do you think? I, I think it's great. I mean, I think we've, we've dipped our toes into it before, but let's, uh, let's go to the deep end of this pool and and flush it out for folks. So first off, um, there's, there's the, the human resource metric of turnover or retention. I got to be honest, um, that's all hindsight, right? I, I, I know people left, so I know I have turnover. I know my best stayed, so I know my retention is good. But I want to get into to things that are, well, more meaningful, something that I can report on on the day-to-day in a store or in a week to week. So what if, what if we measure um, percent trained, right? What if we took our team through, whether it's a quiz or, or um, a coaching guide that says, can you do X, Y, and Z? And we at least know what their level of training is. Like, can we measure our team based on that to start? I think that's a great place to start. What I really like about that, first of all, to be able to measure people on those things you will have had to set up, wait for it, full-fledged expectations. You know, we're a big fan of full-fledged expectations. Now, if we take it to the next level and we're measuring those results, we know that, you know, like Drew said, what gets measured gets done. If we've got a full-fledged expectation, we're going to measure people against it. Then the chance of it getting done is going to, I think, exponentially increase. And you'll hear from our guests later, and it's something I teach in the BTY visit system that I want the stores to report up, right? I want the GM to tell the supervisor what it is they've done and what the results are instead of the supervisor finding the number and telling the GM. It always seems backward. I want, I want each restaurant owner, I'm going to take that as the mantra from now on. I want each restaurant manager to be the owner, right? I want them to own the business. So if they can report up that I have 15 people on staff and I have 10 that are trained to their role and I have five that are trained to every position in the store. Think of the power of that, right? If I'm a team member talking about full-fledged expectations, if I'm a team member, I know exactly what's expected of me and I know where the steps are. First, to be fully trained in my role, next to be fully trained in the second role, and then lastly, to be fully trained at anything in the store to be the go-to player. 
I think you're onto something really big here. And I'm going to just kind of take a couple of step backs. I like the training thing and knowing your team members, knowing where they're at. But what I really like that you said is instead of me as a franchisee setting the goals and pushing them down, maybe I'm developing my leaders to become the CEO of their particular restaurant and I'm pulling the information up because I don't know about you, Drew, but I'm more apt to execute an idea that I had than execute an idea that somebody said, this is what we need to get done. And I think that the people that we're seeing be the the most successful are the ones that have ideas of what they want to get done, but they're asking great questions of the people that they're directly supervising to get those people to come up with what the goals and the numbers and what the measurement is. And if you can collaborate, you know, much, much like Brendan Burchard says, you know, top-down leadership does not work anymore. It's got to be a collaboration between you and your followers. If we can get the followers to come up with what it is we're going to get measured, I think they're going to come up with the plans and the ideas and the execution to get it done. So if you truly want to get done what's being measured, you've got to get your team in on exactly what it is you want to measure and what that measurement should be. I've been teaching it in the BTY system in the improved part is uh, method timing and agreement that when I'm going into a coaching opportunity or in this case, a goal setting as the leader, I know what I want, right? I know I need, um, uh, I'm going to pick something right. A hundred percent of staff fully trained to their role within the next 90 days. Right. I know that that's, that's the goal I want. I need the owner of that restaurant to come up with that too. So through conversation, what I might do is give them one, right? So, Hey, Sam, we know we want everybody a hundred percent trained in the role by when can you give that to me? By when can your team be that? Or I can go the other way, right? What can you get done, Sam, in the next 90 days? Because to, to your point, I want, I want that restaurant owner to, to feel like it's their idea. Even if I'm planting the seed, I need them to grow it, right? I need them to, to fertilize it. I need them to make sure that it, it comes to fruition. I can't micromanage that. So if I can go in knowing what the goal is and I can give them half and I can kind of negotiate a little bit, it's, it's kind of funny. I was having this conversation with, with team Murph and I said, when was the last time you did something like this? What did your team do? And literally the day before they had talked goals amongst themselves and the supervisors had given a goal for EBITDA well beyond what Alan and Craig wanted for the team because they want to please their boss. And it, it creates a great environment then because as the boss, you can be like, listen, I want you to succeed. Jason's going to say it later, right? That, that everybody rises to the expectation of the leader, right? But I want you to succeed. So, hey, that's great. You want to have 100% of your team trained in three days. How about, how about three weeks, right? <laughs> like let's make it reasonable where we can actually do it as opposed to you stressing out or maybe even failing. So it, it creates just a fabulous conversation to go about it that way. I think the other thing that I like that you said was, you know, let's say I want hundred percent of my team trained in 90, in 90 days. And if you can't do that, what can you have done in 90 days? I think you do both. I think you set, how long will it take for you to get your entire team trained? And what can you do in 90 days? What can you do in 60 days? What can you do in 30 days? What can you do this week? Because I think the more often we measure 
And the more stretch goals we have on the way to the end goal, the better chance we have of A, staying on track, but B, keeping it front of mind. If we've got a big, hairy, audacious goal and we don't have any smackable or smart or whatever acronym you like for goals in between, then all the noise that is happening in a Domino's pizza store right now, all of the side things, all of the fires that you're putting out are going to take you so far away from that goal that it's going to be much like my seventh grade science project. And the night before it's due, you're going to realize this is a good time to start. Those stretch goals will help you along the way. You know, if we're talking about people and we're talking about drivers and, oh my God, I need 20 drivers. Well, how many can you hire this week? Probably not 20. How many can you hire today? Yeah, exactly. You know, eat that elephant one bite at a time and have every bite be a goal so that you can celebrate much like you do when you've got a just perfectly cooked medium filet mignon. You celebrate after every bite because it's so tasty. To your point, I'm a huge fan of that, right? I need I need to agree to the the end goal, right? Start with the end in mind. I know when I do Learning Hub for clients, uh, what I've been preaching now is a 100% trained team in 100 days because I like playing off that 100 and 100, but it's got to boil back, right? And I love what you're talking about there, right? What can I do in 60 days and 30 days and seven days today? And if we do that, think of the power of that, right? That, that all I'm reporting then each day is I, I trained one driver on this because that's all that's being asked of me today. But, but that day I don't do it, now tomorrow I got to do two. And if I don't do it in two days in a row, now I got to do three, right? And it starts to pile up. And that's how all of this stuff starts to go sideways to your seventh grade project point. It's so much harder to do it all the night before. Back in the day when, when we were younger, Sam, there used to be, oh, what was the, the inspection uh, before the OERs? It was... Um, Eyes of the customer? No, 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 no. It was the, the oh, 100 point. Yeah. Um, oh my God. That 14 page. Yeah. Look at everything. Oh, uh, store evaluation report, SER. SER. And, and oh my gosh, I, I remember every everybody did the same thing starting at like seven o'clock the second your rush stopped the day before because they were all announced. You knew when they were coming the day, maybe not the time, but the day. So, so like seven o'clock the second your rush ended till, till whenever they showed up the next day, you were in your store like, like toothbrushing every baseboard and cleaning everything because you didn't clean the whole rest of the year. But by God, that 24 hours right before the inspection, you cleaned everything in your store because we're idiots. And it's so much easier if we just do a little bit every day. We just don't think that way. Let me jump in there for just a second. I don't think we're idiots. No, I know we're not. I'm, I'm, just, I'm just playing with that. Yeah, no I, no, I get that. I just think that we're so lost in the noise of what's going on every day that we're not making plans. And I'm seeing this from young leaders all the time that they put the key in the door, they open the door and they start hoping that today is going to be the perfect day. And you're never going to have the perfect day unless you plan for it. And planning for it isn't going to allow you to have the perfect day every day. That's just never going to happen. These short measurements will help you get to those bigger goals. And we've got to start making plans for this. I I love that analogy of the SER and Tying it in with my whole seventh grade science project, which still gives me an upset stomach. What's the, the Ernest Hemingway book, Old Man on the Sea? Um, the line in it is, um, how did your business go bankrupt? And the answer is, it was gradually, then suddenly. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a cynic thing too, isn't it? A gradually, suddenly? 
Correct. And it's, it's the only way to get this stuff done. You can't wake up today and be like, I'm going to start being the perfectly run restaurant today, but you can start to do one thing perfectly today. And then tomorrow make it two and tomorrow and two days, make it three and grow on it. And measuring your team can be the same way. And in this environment where everybody's hiring and pay is changing literally by the hour in places, pay attention to your team, invest in your team. And I don't mean money, invest in your team. And, and if you take the time with them, they'll get it and they'll appreciate it. And they'll reward you by showing up on time, giving you their best and, and partaking in, in the, the joy and benefits of the, the business. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. And a thought just came to me. For those that don't, don't know, we'll just let you behind the curtain a little bit here. We typically record the interview piece before we record the meat and potatoes of the podcast. And and you talk about investing your people and being there. You know, when you listen to Jason talk later, he's going to talk about the importance of being present in everything you do. And that the physical presence is just the first part. That's so true. You've got to invest in your team. And yes, it's going to cost money. It's going to cost your time. But, you know, I think what Drew and I are seeing with our clients, they are investing the time into their teams for their development and they're investing pretty substantial amount of money to invest in their team and their development. And we just, I mean, rarely do we not get repeat customers because their teams are telling them, you know, we really needed this. This was a day away from the store, even though it was still quote unquote work. It was a day away from the store. It was a chance for us to do a little venting, to do a little learning, to spend some time with our peers and know that we're not the only ones going through this. One of the measurements, if you want to get things done with your teams, could be giving them some development. You know, Jason, you're going to hear him talk about it. He does a great job of developing his team with resources that he has. And, you know, I'd be a fool to not say you could call Drew or I, and we would love to be a resource to help develop your team. But we got to make sure we're developing the team. Because every team member that leaves your restaurant your organization, your business costs you $5,826. That's a lot of money. And that's from 2020. 2021's numbers aren't even in yet. I guarantee it's gone up, but that 5800 bucks includes lost productivity of other team members to train them, advertising, the time it takes to hire them, the, the time it takes to interview, the time it takes... To get them up to speed, 5800 bucks per lost team member. There's no way you're ever going to invest that much money in that team member. It's so much worth it to keep them than to let them go. Thousand bucks in that team member over five years, and you're gonna you're gonna so benefit yourself and the team. Yeah, I I think that's amazing. Hey, let's uh let's wrap up this. Let's talk training about uh what get measured gets done. Give us, uh, give us your final thoughts on why you think this is important. We measure everything around this brand. There are numbers for everything. I can pull average credit card tips. I could pull time from car to store. I can pull everything anywhere I want. I can't find a way to measure my team. We've got to find a way to measure our team. None of the other stuff gets done without a team. They're the most important part of your restaurant. So, so talk with your, if you're a manager, talk with your supervisor, if you're a supervisor, talk with your GMs or your DO, your franchisee about how you can measure your team. 
and how your GMs can measure their team every day, just like they measure all of the sales or food or labor or service numbers that they measure every day. And I love it. That's a great wrap up. Let's uh, let's jump to our first ad. Hey, Sam, what do the best leaders have in common? Uh, they invest in themselves and their teams. That's right. And I think you, listener, can invest in yourself and your team just like the best. It's really this easy. You register for the Drew and Sam Talk Training Virtual Training Event Series. Just $49 grants you access to one event. But wait, there's more. $150, you get all four sessions, one per quarter. Wow, Sam, that's like getting one event for free. It absolutely is. And the first one, Drew, is going to be in March. We're going to focus on training and coaching. Then event two, let's focus on financial training and understanding. Man, I like it. To register, go to trainwithbty.com. That's trainwithbty.com. Go register today. Wow, Sam, we're only a couple weeks away from that first virtual training event. I think it's going to be awesome. I know it's going to be awesome. Because we've already got a couple clients that have signed up their entire management team for the one-year subscription. So big groups make for better training, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, you know, Obviously, you're listening to the podcast right now. If you are somebody that's been in contact with Drew or myself, check your email because you're going to get a reminder about the ad that you just heard. Um, we obviously want you to sign up because that's how we keep the lights on here at our consulting places. But what we really want is, you know, I've heard Drew say, and I say it all the time. The reason that I do what I'm doing is because I want to see young men and women have the same great experience with this brand that I had. And I think the more we develop them and the more we open their eyes to experiences like they're going to get on that virtual training event, the more fun they're going to have because they're going to be more successful. I couldn't have said that better, Sam. Let's hear from the black and white TVH and my best friend ever. Burgess Meredith. Books, books, all the books I'll need, all the books, all the books I'll ever want. So Drew, it was your turn to choose a book. And apparently I've been choosing books that were far too long because, <laughs> uh, yes. because your choice, <laughs> as I look at it, including the five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 pages of ads at the end, clocks in at 102 pages. Which in and of itself makes it the shortest book we've read. But besides that, it is illustrated on almost every single page, which means there's about 17 words on the 90 pages of reading. And, you know, I'm not the fastest reader in the world, but I didn't even have to take a bathroom break between starting and finishing this book. I literally read this book in like 14 minutes. I picked it up and started and was like, I got to. I had somewhere to go in like 20 minutes. So I was just going to start the book. I got five pages in. I'm like, oh, I'm just going to finish. Yeah. <laughs> like uh, it's, it's been 30 seconds. I'm five pages in. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So good news. This one's a fable, an illustrated fable at that. This is called The Coffee Bean, a simple lesson to create positive change uh, by one of the authors that's becoming our favorite. And that's John Gordon just puts out amazing stuff. Uh, this book came out in 2019 by John Gordon and Damon West. Without reading the book cover to cover, tell me what you got out of it. I follow John Gordon on Twitter. And because I follow him, Twitter had suggested Damon West. So I follow him and, and the coffee bean kept popping up. And it was kind of funny because when we were picking the book, I was like, the coffee cup, 
the coffee drink and, and we were searching and couldn't find it. And I finally found it again. Cause it was just one of those, like I had seen it so many times, congratulations that, you know, seven, seven points of contact to make a sale. It totally worked that time. I don't want to read the, the, the folks, the book. I want to tell you though, that it is the book that helps you figure out your place because I can well, hang on a second. Let me jump in there. I don't know that it helps you figure out your place, but I think it gives you the three options you have. By clearly laying out those options, I think it becomes pretty apparent to anybody that wants to be successful with what the best option is. You found a page. I think we should totally read that page to them. I, I don't have the book on me as I'm traveling right now, but, but I think you should totally read that page to them because just that page sets up it doesn't, it doesn't illustrate the fable. It doesn't, it doesn't give away the rest of the story, but that page sets up the three choices you have. And that's what I meant by, by it, like, it helps figure out your place because you're always going to choose one of these three places. I'm with you. So I'm reading from page 22 of the coffee bean and just a little bit of setup. What the coffee bean is talking about is when there's pressure around you, how can you respond to it or how should you respond to it? So when there's pressure around you, one, you can be like the carrot that is weakened and softened by its environment. And we're talking about the environment being a pot of boiling water. So you can be like the carrot that is weakened and softened by its environment. Or you can be like the egg that is hardened by its environment. Or you can be like the coffee bean that transforms its environment. And if you think about those three things, you know, you put a carrot into a pot of boiling water, you put a inexperienced, not very knowledgeable manager into a pot of boiling water, a Friday night dinner rush, they can soften and wither away. Um, you put an experienced manager into that pot of boiling water, or that Friday night dinner rush, that's maybe a little rough around the edges and they can get hardened and they're not treating people like people. Uh, or you can be the coffee bean. You go into that pot of boiling water and you know, I've put on Facebook a couple of times when you walk into a room, you should not transfer your own into the energy that's in the room. You should change the energy that's in the room. And that's what being the coffee bean is all about. Go into that pot of boiling water and make the entire pot better by what you add to it. And that's what a coffee bean does. You know, it goes from this silly little hard bean, you put it in a cup of boiling water, a high pressure situation, and voila. You've got a cup of coffee. Now, the book goes through some pretty good fables about how they could do that. And it's short. And, and that's, man, I, I don't know what else to say without reading the whole gosh darn book. No, I know. That's just it. So, so here's what I'm going to tell the listeners, right? We, can, we talked about like the energy bus is high on our list that, that if you don't have it, what are you waiting for? It's kind of funny that you're, you're going to hear Jason talk about books he's reading or read. And I just had Alan Murph and his whole team buy Atomic Habits because uh, that's another one. If, if it's not in your collection, what are you waiting for? I'm just going to skip ahead. This one, Sam, is I know we used to talk about being on the nightstand, right? Like that's where this book is for me, because if I'm having a bad day, it's such a short, quick read. I can look at it and go, oh, man, I became an egg today or I was a carrot in that situation. Right. I can I could take that this book and a quick read at the end of the night. And I can assess again. That's where I was thinking with this, that I can assess where I was today and I could find some way to be better than today. Right. And that's, that's kind of where I'm at with this book. So you could be better than yesterday. Yes, absolutely. 
I can't Thank you believe for doing that. I make I, everybody, I just make everybody do the name drop, Sam. I can't believe you just missed your own opportunity for a plug. Oh, no, 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 no. I didn't. I totally didn't miss it. I totally like, like softballed it because I knew you couldn't resist saying better than yesterday. Hey, I love what you just did there on the, on the final review and, and um, once again, broke the rules and brought on the nightstand back. But I think that's, I think that's appropriate. I mean, if you've had a super bad day and you've got 15 minutes, read the whole book. If you had a part of the day that was bad, go straight to page number 22 and read that passage and get your mind set. You know, one of the things I do in my leadership workshop, talk about the first thing you've got to do is ask yourself a question every day. And that is, is my attitude worth catching? And if it's not, then you need to check up from the neck up. You've got a bad case of stinking thinking. And if that's the case, if you've got that bad case of stinking thinking, then open the book up to page 22 and reset yourself on the leader that you would want to be led by and make yourself a coffee bean. You know, I think he says later in the book when he does seminars or this, he actually hands out coffee beans as a reminder, uh, which is something you may see in a Fowler Consulting workshop soon, a coffee bean. I mean, imagine if you were a general manager, Drew. And you saw one of the person or one of the people that you had been given the responsibility to develop and they were having a bad day and you just walked up to them. And instead of saying, Hey man, are you having a bad day or what the heck's going on? You just reached in your pocket, grabbed a coffee bean and handed it to them. I, I mean, I think the power of that nonverbal communication, if you've had a talk about the book or if you know they've read the book, would just be amazing. And I'm going to go, I'm going to go a step further with my final review. I'm going to pull a Drew Helmholtz and I'm going to add a category. And that is breaking the rules. If you're a franchisee, if you're a supervisor, a director of operations or a general manager, I'm going to suggest that the moment you get off this podcast, you go to your favorite bookseller, audio or hardcover, and you order this for every single one of your direct reports. And you put that as one of their things to do this week. They read the book and then you start carrying coffee beans around and you hand it to them when they're off their game. I think you're going to find that that is going to spark conversations and it's going to start in a very non-threatening way that they're going to know, you know, something's up and what's going on. And they're either being an egg or they're being a carrot and they need to be a coffee bean. So. So that's where I'm at. Back to the rules a little bit because I do like the rules. This one is absolutely going to be on the prize table for me. In fact, I'm Googling right now bulk buying of this book. I was really amazed at how short it was, how quick it was to read, but yet how powerful the message was. Sam, I don't even know if I need to buy one for everybody in my organization. It's such a quick read. Buy one and pass it around. Yeah, seriously, buy one and pass it around and tell people like put a pen mark next to the passage that matters to you. And this way, as it goes around, you have this memory from everybody else, right? Like I, there's so many fabulous ways to use this book. It's such a quick read. I'm not, I'm not trying to take money from Damon West or John Gordon and say, don't buy a hundred of them for your hundred store franchise. I'm, I'm just saying that, that the leader in me, there's something powerful to, to say, here's the book. And, and you've got a day, pass it off to everybody. And like, we're going to coffee bean it starting next week. Like there's something about that. 
Yeah, I like that a lot. And, you know, to your point of taking money out of John and Damon's pockets, I mean, we do have thousands of listeners. So theoretically, you could be selling thousands of books from our podcast, which would be a really good reason for John to join us on the podcast because we know he's listening to our podcast. John, we want you on the podcast. All right. So that uh, that wraps up this week's uh, book discussion. Uh, where are we going next, Drew? I think next is a little cut in from our friend Liam. I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. So Stan, what is it that you have taken from the stores? For me, what I've taken from the stores is that I think that even though our folks have been through the ringer over the last 24 months, that they are super, super hungry for development especially when it comes to leadership. Every workshop I've done in the last two years, every single one, I've talked to the client and we have talked right up until the time the workshop was going to start. I don't know how I'm going to cover my stores. I don't know how I'm going to cover my stores. I just had a store hit with 10 out of 12 team members with COVID. And the ones that have decided to press on with the workshops, the team members are super engaged. They're super grateful for the time away from the store while yet still getting an opportunity to develop their skills. And I think that if we want to get from where we're at to where we want to be, we've got to take the very difficult journey of figuring out how we're going to keep the store open on Tuesday and yet still get everybody in the room. And those aren't easy things to make happen. And I hear it from the clients all the time, but I also hear once they're done, I'm really glad I made this decision to do this. I'm really glad that in some cases, we, we chose to have customers suffer on this particular day because we think it's going to help them in the long run. So if I've taken anything at all over the last two years from the stores, it's that your young leaders, your emerging leaders, your veteran leaders are still hungry for more development. And whether you choose to use Drew and I as a resource or you do it yourself, or you've got another vendor, or you're just having them read a book, do something. Continue to develop your team because it's so, so important and they're super hungry for it. How about you, Drew? What have you taken? Sam, I'm going to break the rules. No. Yes. I had to talk about giving. I had a fabulous conversation with somebody about inflation and how uh, food costs has gone up and what that matters to what it means to the bottom line. So I put a quick poll up. And some of you answered on the poll. And so I created a quick six and a half or seven minute video and a contribution margin spreadsheet to go with it to show folks on the, the two Facebook groups how food cost, an increase of two or 3%, absolutely destroys your bottom line. And if you think about it today, there are stores that or restaurants that have seen a four or five percent increase between food and labor. You'll hear Jason say it in a couple minutes. He didn't know how a store could lose money. That's how stores lose money. You were making money last year. You're doing the same thing you did last year, and now you're losing money. So I put that out to help folks see exactly what the impact is, and then conversely, how much I have to raise sales. Because if your food goes up three percent for you to make the same amount of money. Which, by the way, doesn't mean your, your franchisee is on a yacht in the Mediterranean. It means they have money to buy the books or pay the bonus 
or build the next store, like it's a 17% sales increase. A 3% food cost increase means a 17% sales increase just to make the bottom line match. So that's my take in Sam is, is I've, I've given some financial training out. And if you're listening and you want more of it, uh, I've got the full course on uh, BTYU. Uh, message me to sign up or go to my website to sign up. I think that's great stuff, Drew. I think we're I think we're missing the opportunity to teach our new leaders how to run the business from a PL standpoint and understanding contribution margin and gross margin and profit and EBITDA and all of that stuff. So um so thanks for doing that for the leaders of today. That is that is terrific. Should we hit uh, another ad? I think we should talk about that next virtual training event. Hey, Sam, what do the best leaders have in common? Uh, They invest in themselves and their teams. That's right. And I think you, listener, can invest in yourself and your team just like the best. It's really this easy. You register for the Drew and Sam Talk Training Virtual Training Event Series. Just $49 grants you access to one event. But wait, there's more. $150, you get all four sessions, one per quarter. Wow, Sam, that's like getting one event for free. It absolutely is. And the first one, Drew, is going to be in March. We're going to focus on training and coaching. Then event two, let's focus on financial training and understanding. Man, I like it. To register, go to trainwithbty.com. That's trainwithbty.com. Go register today. Yeah, and can't stress it enough, that virtual training event is going to be, as the kids say, off the hook. Maybe the I don't kids think don't they say that anymore. Well, uh, I know they don't say that anymore, actually, but that's okay. Keep going. Uh, and um, <laughs> yeah, okay, it's going to be, hold on, let me try again. Uh, that next virtual training event, as the kids say, is going to be groovy. Oh, that's just what I say. Okay. And I'm okay, not a kid. So, yeah. 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 So, so sign up for it. Like Drew said, after the last ad, we've already had a couple of franchisees sign up their entire teams. And like I said, if you've got any contact with us at all, expect an email uh, because we really want to get folks into those virtual training events, A, so we can pay the bills. Let's just be transparent about that. But B, and more importantly, so that your team can develop and become great leaders and enjoy this brand as much as we all do. So you should see something in your email shortly. On today's interview, we are talking to Chairman Circle winner, Jason Shiflett. I've had the pleasure of spending a lot of time with Jason. And as you're about to hear, uh, this interview will tell you exactly why I enjoy each and every minute I have the opportunity to be with him. So without further ado, Enjoy our interview with Jason Shifflett. All right. In today's episode of Drew and Sam Talk Training, we have the fabulous privilege of talking with our guest, Jason Shifflett. Jason, how are you doing today? Outstanding. Thank you. I understand you're a franchisee and you may have your fabulous face on a plaque on a wall at the WRC. Is that correct? That's correct. Yes. <laughs> so if we're going to talk about that, then why don't you tell us about your history? Tell us about the journey that you've taken. How did you get here? Yeah, thank you. It's been quite a journey, quite honestly. 
Uh, started with Domino's when I was 14 years old, answering pizza, uh, answering phones and doing all that fun stuff, making pizzas throughout high school. And the opportunity came to uh, uh, to get into management, if you will, and uh, eventually move up the ranks while I put myself through school managing a Domino's pizza store. I worked for Diane Davis, who at the time was a four-store franchisee as an assistant manager um, you know, through college, you know, continued to see all aspects of the business, if you will. And there became an opportunity to take over an underperforming store that was losing tons and tons of money. She gave me the opportunity to run that store and turn it around. And we uh, absolutely had that the pleasure of, of making that happen. We had a store that was losing about $50,000 a year and turned it around to uh, you know actually making profit. And she was kind enough to uh, strike a deal with me in the beginning to give me 100% of the profits. So it really intrigued me even further into <laughs> diving into the business. Um, I think I took over the store. We were doing about uh, $3,500 a week, if you will. Um, and within six months, we had a record week of over $10,000, which back in 1996 was a big number, right? Particularly when you're 19 years old. Um, she tapped me on the shoulder and asked me to take over another store of hers, actually my hometown store that I started in, in Olive Branch, Mississippi. We had competitive intrusion coming in with Pizza Hut and Papa John's were opening in full force. And um, I said, you know, absolutely. I'd love to take over that store. It's a little bit different though. The first store that I managed while I was going to college was only open um, from four to midnight, Sunday through Thursday. It was only day shift, Friday, Saturday, and I guess Sunday it was open for day shift as well. So during the week, I could go to school successfully and, and have a store, you know, that was only open at nighttime. The Olive Branch store was actually open, you know, full hours, if you will. So it was a little bit of a challenge, um, but one that I eagerly took. And, um, you know, we started doing um, a, a lot of sales even after the, the competitors, if you will, opened. Um, so that really got me thinking long and hard about Domino's Pizza. Maybe I had a knack for this. I was a biology major in college. My plan was to become a cardiothoracic surgeon. I had the grades, had a lot of opportunity um, and enjoyed it, but I had a passion for Domino's. You know, I took over store one, turned it around, took over store two, turned it around and thought that, you know, maybe I had an opportunity to become a franchisee. So I decided to change my major from biology to business with the intentions on franchising. Uh, put me back a little bit in school. I was typically going to graduate, you know, in May. Uh, instead, graduated in, uh, in August, if you will, the summer session. And uh, Diane uh, actually afforded me the opportunity to purchase that original store that I started in uh, two months after graduating college in 1998. So we're coming up on 24 years, I guess, this year as a franchisee. Wow, that's fantastic. So <clears throat> it sounds like your first two stores, you were able to turn those around. And that gave you the passion to fuel the fire for what has become the Jason Shiflet that we all know and love today. What would you attribute the biggest part to those two turnarounds? Because I think, I think our kids today that are out there, our young men and women that are running pizza stores are, while they're hugely successful in sales, sales have come over the last 10 years, regardless of what's going on. I think they're having challenges with creating culture inside their stores. Would you say that was a big part of how you turned around those first two stores? Yeah. You know, what's interesting again, I was 19 years old when I managed my first store. Um, and, and interestingly enough, I, uh, right before that, I was basically Diane's assistant. You know, I helped her administratively. I helped her run shifts and stores. Um, and she was kind enough to expose me to different aspects of the business. I got to see the P&Ls. And I didn't understand how a store could lose money. I mean, I was a bit naive. You know, I was thinking Domino's. I was thinking McDonald's. Uh, how do they lose money? And when I saw a store losing five, $6,000 a period, I was like, you know, there's no reason that should happen. And I remember vividly sitting around her, her table and her house, which was her office at the time. And there were only three managers present out of the four stores. One of the managers had quit. 
And I said, well, why did Mike quit? Well, the other managers were jokingly saying, you know, um, he wouldn't make any money. He wouldn't make it a bonus. And at the time, managers were earning about 15% of the profits of the store, if you will. So obviously the store, it's not making money, not making bonus. So he quit. I mean, he threw in the towel. And I remember leaving that meeting, pulling out of her driveway, taking a left on Campground Road, shifting my 1993 Ford Ranger into third gear, seriously. And it just kind of came to me. I mean, I really think that, um, you know, God spoke to me and said, really, you know, why don't you manage that store? And I thought about it all night, couldn't, couldn't, couldn't sleep, woke up the next day, asked Diane to meet with me. And I was in her office, her other office, which was in the back of her our Domino's Pizza store. And, uh, you know, I said, I said, Diane, what do you think about me managing that Cenotopia store? You know, do you think I could do that? And mind you, I'd never gone to any management per se classes. I got to go to one class that Domino's Pizza Corporate offered in the Memphis corporate market at the time. And, um, you know, outside of that, the other eight management classes I had never attended. It was all, you know, hands-on training, which was great. But I looked at Diane and I said, you know, do you think I could do this? Can I do this? Do you think I'm able? Do I have the skills? And she just started laughing. She's like, absolutely. You've got everything that it takes to be able to run a Domino's pizza store. And I said, wow, what what a lot of confidence she has in me. Obviously, more than I had in myself. And she had been in the business for a long time, right? Ran RPM. She's a ride with RPM, ran, ran the training department for RPM Pizza. And obviously, she was a successful franchisee. Everybody in town knew her and they respected her opinion, as did I. And she was she was my mentor. So I said, you know, how about you let me manage that store and give me 100 percent of the profits for the first year? And she said, done. So immediately the wheels were turning and I was thinking, you know, how can I make a store make money? You know, Um, so I take the manager's reference guide. You remember that big book that we had in the back of the stores, right? It wasn't on CD-ROM back then. It wasn't online. That didn't exist. I took that home. I lived with my parents when I was not in the dorms or apartment at college. And, um, and I read it. And one night, I stayed up and read all of the manager's reference guide. And I learned so much, all the standards that I didn't really know. I mean, we, we obviously followed them, but I didn't understand you know, what the genesis was behind it. There was also these pro tips, these best practices at the time about wings. I remember vividly, this, uh, we had squeeze bottles. You stay with wings. You know, you'd have to take them out of the oven, put them in a bucket, pump it the lid on it, shake it, dump it. And somebody came up with the idea of putting them in squeeze bottles, you know? So all of this stuff was just exciting to me. So the day one, I walk into the store, the first store, you know, I come in and there was about six people that were present because I called a crew meeting, you know, and this ended up being, I believe the day after Thanksgiving, I called a crew meeting and uh, everybody's looking at me and I'm this young kid saying, we're going to make this store in Senatobia, Mississippi, the best Domino's pizza store that ever existed. And they were just like, yeah, right. You know, and I said, no, we're, we're absolutely going to do it. You know, I understand we may not have the, the newest store, the latest equipment. You know, this is a classic car. The store was open in 1991, I believe. This is 1996. But, you know, we're, we're going to turn it into something that everybody can be proud of. And they were all nodded their head and kind of left. And then I stayed in the store. Mind you, it wasn't open for lunch right uh, that day. And uh, I stayed and cleaned the store myself, you know. Uh, went to, to Walmart or the, or the Dollar General and got supplies and just scrubbed it. A few hours later, some of the insiders came by the store and said, hey, can, can we help? I said, well, I'm cleaning bathrooms, scrubbing walls, but sure, jump in. And while we're doing that, I'm building a relationship with them. Not even intentionally. It's just kind of what we do, right? They saw with me not doing anything I didn't ask them to do, right? And treating uh, the store with respect and pride 
enough for me to scrub it, something that they could attach to, I think. It built a lot of enthusiasm with what it was about. I mean, I talked to them and said, look, we're going to focus on three things. That's all I'd ever been trained. I think that's still relevant today. We're going to have the great product, right? We're going to have food that we're proud of. We're going to have a store that's clean, you know, lickably clean, if you will. Uh, Our image is going to be fantastic. I'm going to provide you a uniform, but we're going to look good. We're going to feel good. And we're going to give service that's second to none. Please, yes, ma'am, yes, or thank you. Uh, We're going to deliver the pizza in 20, 25, less than 30 minutes. We're going to operate as if we had the 30-minute guarantee. But we're just going to focus on the basics. And then I just backed it up. I mean, mind you, we were doing shifts, even opening at 4 o'clock to midnight in a um, community college town that would be $250, $350 a day. You know, I mean, that's not a lot of orders. And I could not afford to even have an insider at times, right? So imagine propping the front door of the store open after you have everything set up, the phone's not ringing, nobody's coming into the store and you're running outside to the front and and banner shaking, right? Banner shaking until the phone rings and you run back, answer the phone, make the pizzas, do all that fun stuff, right? And repeat it. I mean, going to the super Walmart that just opened in town and windshielding all the cars, you know, an hour and a half before you open just to get traction, right? You go down the aisle, by the time you go back, there's a new set of cars because that was the only place to shop in town, if you will. I mean, really fighting and going after sales. And my team felt that. So when the phone rang, they would attack it in one ring. You know, they would answer it. Wow, thanks for calling Domino's Pizza, where we love our customers because we really did and do love our customers. You know, having pride when we make those pizzas. They could see that. They could sense that. Drivers running to the door, drivers calling out the times, everything that I'd always experienced. Uh, and fortunately enough for me, I had started in 1991 when we had the 30-minute guarantee for a small period of time when I was with Domino's. I remember seeing on the news, Channel 5, NBC, highlighting UPS drivers and Domino's pizza drivers, and they would run to the house, right? They would run back to their car. I was just enamored by that. And I learned that there was, you know, there was no other way other than hustle. I mean, I remember my first shift being called into Domino's pizza. Um, you know, they were going to have lates and they needed me to come in and help help run the store, even though I maybe wasn't certified to run a shift yet, but they wanted to save the lates, right? They wanted to take care of the customers. So, you know, to answer your question, that's a long way of saying, you know, um, I just practiced what I, I, I preached, you know, I, um, I, I focused on the basics. I did it. And I think people saw that and they bought into it. It wasn't so much what I said. Uh, however, I did say it. I laid out expectations, right? But I walked the walk and um, people, people followed it. Speed of the leader, speed of the crew, right? You know, I took some notes during that story. And Jason, I'll just say, every time I hear you talk, it just, it makes me smile. So thanks for that. Well, that's kind of you. Thank you. I just love your enthusiasm for the brand, even after 24 years. And um, it's just amazing. So it sounds like you started out, you know, we review books on this podcast. And one of the first books we did was John Gordon called The Energy Bus. And he said, you've got to lead with energy. And we talked to Kevin Shaw and he said, you got to lead with energy. And it sounded like that very first store, you went in there and you said, hey, we're going to be the best Domino's pizza store that ever was. And I'm sure you had that big Jason Shiflet smile on your face and and people were just enamored by that. And then the drive you had and you led by example, cleaning the store yourself. But I think the most important thing I got out of that whole story was unbeknownst to you and not by any not by any strategy, you created relationships with your team members. And I think that our young leaders today are missing out on the point that they they can't lead anybody that they don't have a relationship with. And that sounds like something that was just just came natural to you as no better way to put it than just by being a decent human being. 
you create relationships with the people you're working with. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, look, look, I mean, this is a team sport, right? Um, you know, you've heard it before. I'll say it again. The companies with the best people win, but I don't necessarily just wake up every day saying, you know, what, what is it that we can, we can say to make things happen? I mean, it's, it's what you do and it comes naturally. I mean, you got to love people, you know, you got to love internal customers. You got to learn external customers. I mean, you got to love your team. I mean, I think the Bible says clearly, I mean, we're here to do two things. It's to serve God and to serve others. And I mean, through Domino's Pizza, I mean, that that is my platform. That is what I use to serve other people. Um, and I think people can relate to that and people feel that. You can cut it with a knife, right? Uh, I mean, being a servant leader is what it's all about. Um, so yeah, energy and enthusiasm about things that you're passionate about, whatever that may be. Um, but really, if you wake up every day ground hitting the floor in the shower thinking about how you're serving others everything else takes care of itself you know you know those words are amazing and a lot of people say them uh, but i've had the good fortune of being around you when you know maybe we were behind the curtain as it were i remember distinctly we were in olive branch and uh reisner was down there filming yeah yeah dan was down there filming and i kid you not we were in the middle of the shot and you were the one with the speaking role and we're in the lobby and I'm watching and you're just, you know, you're just nailing it. You're saying all the right words. And a customer comes in and you just stop in the middle of the, in the middle of the shot and go and, and say, Hey, welcome to Domino's or whatever we were saying back in the day. And, and you knew that the most important thing going on in that store right then at that moment was that that customer's coming in. It didn't matter that Dan was there and Adam was holding the lights and, and we were filming a training video. The most important thing was the customer. And I think that because over the last 10 years, we've had so many customers, you know, we haven't had to go to a Walmart and put stickers on cars and go in the aisles and wave banners that some of our leaders are losing touch of what Jeremy Hill said is that's humanizing the customer experience. What are you doing in your stores to make sure that that remains a top priority and that your folks never lose sight of the importance of taking care of every single customer that walks through the door? Well, first, I think the way we treat them, the way I treat my team members, you know, sets the, the, the bar, sets the tone with the way they should be treating others, first and foremost. I mean, if I'm enthusiastic going into the store, if I love what I'm doing, um, you know, uh, if I'm patting people on the back, if I'm thinking of a high five of them. You know, if the phone rings and I'm the first to answer it, you know, almost like a competition, right? I mean, is the owner going to beat you to answer the phone, <laughs> you know? Um, I mean, it, it really, it, it really sets the tone of energy. I think first and foremost, what do you love to do? I mean, are you passionate about it? Good things come to those who, you know, uh, who, who are passionate. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, it just takes care of itself. Uh, building relationships with people, I think just comes naturally. If you talk to them, if you take a genuine interest in them. Um, and I mean, when you're working 40, 50, 60, 70 hours a week, um, you, you get to know your people, you know, really quickly. Again, the whole, you know, 80, 20 rule spending, you know, 80% of my time with my top 20%. I mean, that's really, really important. We spend a lot of time teaching our managers, our store operators, our leaders, our president, chairman, and CEOs of that business unit, how to be a president, chairman, and CEO, you know? So we spend a lot of time developing human relations skills and teaching them that, um, you know, talk about books, Dale Carnegie, obviously how to win friends, influence people. Uh, it's a great book. I read it in high school. Um, you know, I've read it multiple times since. Uh, 2003, I think it was, went through the Dale Carnegie course. We try to put all of our GMs and above store leaders and even some rising assistant managers through the Dale Carnegie course. 
sometimes multiple times. I've been through it multiple times because you love it. It's just basic human relations skills. Example, don't criticize, condemn, or complain. I mean, what's that do for anybody, right? But do we talk about that? Do we teach that? And generally speaking, in our industry, and I can say for my stores, you know, we have a younger workforce, generally speaking, that are in management roles. And a lot of times, um, you know, those things are not taught in high school. And unfortunately, a lot of times they're not taught in the home, right? So where are they going to learn it? I mean, they only know what they've been exposed to. And again, what a great opportunity, what a great platform by which to help teach people of all ages, but particularly our young people, you know, how to treat other people, how to lead, uh, how to be examples, uh, how to be inspirational. Uh, but they, they see it through, you know, our energy, first and foremost. Word, words don't matter if, if actions are not there, you know? Totally get it. And I, I love that line of uh, spending 80% of your time with 20% of the team. I can tell you coming from the the corporate side of the business where we had stuff like bottom 10 calls where occasionally we would focus more on, on the bottom, right? Because that's the low hanging fruit. And if we could just move those bottom folks, think of all the, the things that would happen. Your face is on the wall at the WRC as a chairman circle. So I'm just guessing the 80% of the time with your best 20 has worked for you. So what, what does that look like? If I'm one of those GMs, what does that mean that I get to see you more? Like, how does that manifest? Well, we have consistent manager meetings, if you will. We call them leadership meetings because they're just that. So consistency is key. Talking about not just numbers, you know, not just product, service, and image, but spending time truly working on development, whether it's the DFA's coach training, right, that Jim Sullivan put out, whether it's Dale Carnegie courses, whether it's uh, Dave Ramsey financial piece, whether it's putting our general managers with financial planners. Uh, I mean, you name it. Um, and it's not just training materials. I mean, I'm, I'm involved in that, right? I mean, it's all about training the trainer. So I, I think just being present um, and, and, and not minimizing saying just being present. I mean, I think that is the majority of it. You have to be present. You have to be present in your business. You have to be present in your household. You have to be present with your family. You know, you have to be there. And presence is not just physically there. I mean, that's certainly important. That's where you start. But you really have to be engaged. Again, you can't just talk the talk. You got you to walk it. So, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I try not to manage to the exception, right? To that 1%, 2% or even, you know, 20% that you're talking about. Um, uh, the bottom 20% there is, you know, I really just try to invest my time around people that are, um, you know, developing others and really spending a lot of energy talking about how they are um, training their replacement. How are they growing themselves forward? Um, again, it's a continuous improvement, you know, mindset, a continuous improvement organization. We want to be better tomorrow than we are today, be better today than we were yesterday. I mean, truly, we want to be better, whatever the percentage is. If it's 1% better, if it's 50% better, I mean, pick it. But as you know, things don't stay the same, rather, right? I mean, they either get better or they get worse. Um, you know, and I want to be a guy that's continuing to improve. I mean, every day that I'm alive is a blessing. And I want our people to understand and realize that too. And what are they, what are they doing with the time? I mean, the most valuable currency we all have, the 168 hours in a week, how are we spending it? You're never as present with every individual as you'd like to be because we're limited by time. But the time that we do have, is it, is it impactful? Is it intentional? Is there a plan, right? Do you just show up or do you actually have goals? You know, some, some members of my team that have been with me for a long time, um, you know, said, hey, you know, I remember when, when you supervised stores, um, you know, you were, quote unquote, the director of operations, if you will. I mean, this is when we had six, seven stores as a, as a, a franchise. And 
I was the supervisor. You know, my operators called me every morning, called me every morning before opening with their top three goals, you know? So it wasn't reactive, me calling them saying, what are you working on today? It was proactive. I wanted them calling me with what they were going to attack during the day. Um, and it, it wasn't necessarily just a, a professional deal. It could be personal goals as well. But, you know, what, what are we going after? And then, you know, how are we measuring that? Did, did we accomplish that? We just spent a lot of time, you know, on the basics, uh, making sure that we have a plan and then work at that plan, you know? I mean, you talk about books. You both know The One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard, right? And we just had our team go through that refresher. Many of them had already read it or listened to it. Um, there's a, uh, an updated version, right? Um, but, you know, those basics, those, those simple things, I think a lot of times um, are not trained. And if they are, it's easy to lose sight on it. I'll let you know before I let Sam come in here that I'm going to take that piece where you said, all I want to do is be better than yesterday. And I'm going to use that in ads <laughs> going forward. Since that's my company name is better than yesterday. There so just go. just so you know, thanks for the free plug. <laughs> uh, Drew has done a, a marvelous job of naming his company and he gets that drop off. And so that's amazing. So Jason, here's a $64,000 question I've got for you. The way you're talking about leading and the things you're doing with your teams are all things that are very, very close to my heart and things that I think are super important. So over the last 12 to 24 months, Drew and I both have clients that have just suffered horrible staffing problems. My question for you is, have you seen the same or have you been able to, to maintain a level of staff? And, and I've got in my head what I think the answer is. I just want you to validate what's in my head or, or, or prove that I'm wrong. Well, we've absolutely had staffing issues. I mean, the last few years is have been the most challenging, I would say, from a people perspective, both quantity and quality in some instances, um, than it's than it's ever been. You know, you, you have to fight the fight. Um, and you have to be present more than ever. That's what matters. It's not just about compensation, right? It's not just about opportunity. But I mean, people tend to rise to the level of their leaders' expectations. And you have to be present and you have to uh, voice what those expectations are and you have to go into battle with, with your, your team, my opinion. But yes, we've had challenges. Now, I will, I will say that we have some stores that have a lot less challenges than others. And again, that's directly correlated to the speed of the leader, you know, at the end of the day. That's what it is. So we, we felt it across the board. You feel it a lot more when you don't have leadership in a store. And that's always been the case. It's just been amplified you know, in a big, big way. And it, and it will continue to be. I will say over the last few months, it's gotten better. Interestingly enough, the scale of our organization has changed a bit. It's gotten a little bit smaller. Um, and we want to operate highly performing world-class stores. And the operators that we have in those stores are, are on their way, if not already, world-class operators. And I will say that you can just feel it in the stores that the snap, the hustle, people being on the balls of their feet rather than on the heels, people being energetic and enthusiastic, um, has definitely stepped up a, a number of notches. Um, so again, you know, we've got to be on our A game as leaders. We're going to make it happen. I mean, you know, and the audience knows, right? Um, this business has always been about people. We're, we are a people business, as I mentioned earlier. Um, right now, particularly in the restaurant segment and QSR, um, if you've got people, you're taking it in. You know, if you don't have people, you're not taking it in. It's, it's all a people um, game right now, you know, uh, and not game, haha, fun, fun, you know, game in that, you know, we, that's how you keep score, right? Is with your team. I think that's great. And, you know, one of the things that 
I've always respected about you. I think I asked you this maybe 10 years ago when you were in, in more of a growth phase than you're in now. And I said, you know, what's your number? How many stores do you want to get? And your answer has never changed. And I just, I just love it. And that's not to take away from anybody that has numbers as goals, but your response was always, we want as many stores as we can run well. It, it, it was never a number. And I, I just, I just love that about you. And when opportunities came up and you felt like you could run those stores well, you seized them. And when things changed for you or your goals changed, you took the number back to a place where you felt like you could operate them in a way that you could be proud of. And I think that, I think that says a lot about your leadership and you as a person. Well, thank you for saying that. That's mighty kind. You know, we, we want to operate stores to your point at a very high level. I mean, period in the story, whatever that quantity is. And, and uh, for me, it's never been about quantity. It's all about quality. You know, you want to have stores that you're proud of, you know, you walk into them and you feel it and we're not perfect. And we have a ton of opportunity for improvement. Um, and we do every day because every day is a challenge. Right. Um, but yes, that's, that's been my, my philosophy since day one. Talked um, about oh my gosh, Dale Carnegie and John Gordon and uh, Ken Blanchard. So, Jason, what is it that you're reading right now? What's what's got to your attention today? Well, a good starting point has always been for me is the Bible. You know, I think that's the best leadership book that's out there. Um, always has, always will. Every every month, whether it's thirty or thirty one days, um, it's it's really easy to turn to Proverbs. You know, Solomon, the the wisest man in the world. Um, you know, he he wrote that, and every day you can read a chapter, so it's pretty easy. You know, today's the the ninth of February, so chapter nine. So um, try to be fairly routine with that. Also, a, a, a number of books that, um, that I've read recently, Atomic Habits, James Clear, you know, it's good. Um, I try to go back to the Dale Carnegie course, uh, materials of different human relation principles, as I mentioned earlier. Um, Jocko Willink has got a great book, right? Um, Extreme Ownership. That's good. Um, there's also parenting books, right? That, that we try to, we try to stay on top of personally. And, uh, there, there's one out called, uh, mistakes that parents can avoid, I believe it is, um, you know, with 10 or more. So, um, you know, those, those are good ones that I try to dabble in. You know, Audible is a beautiful thing, particularly when you're driving, whether it's from store to store or wherever it may be, um, or you're working out and you could throw some AirPods in and, and listen while you're working out. Um, so we recommend that to our team. Some people love to read and that's awesome. Um, some people are not really great readers, but, you know, they're also not available to be able to focus on a book because they're so busy. So Audible is a great, great tool to download. So I highly recommend that. Here's a question that's uh, way off topic, has nothing to do with Domino's Pizza. What's in the garage these days? What's, what's your passion on four wheels? <laughs> um, you know, I've got my 2004 Chevy Tahoe. Um, that's awesome. Um, it's great. Uh, there's also a suburban that holds seven seven people. Now you, mainly, you uh, know, I'm not. Kid I'm not interested in the trucks. You, you know what I'm interested in asking? <laughs> yeah, I'll say three years ago uh, I jumped into Tesla, so I got a little Model Three okay. dual motor, um, and I've been very very pleased. Well, I'll just say uh, excited and enthralled with that whole brand and that product they put out. I mean, I am a Tesla fan, thousand percent raving fan. Nice, it's awesome. Um, you know, it's got the speed, it's nimble, and it's just uh, like an iPad, a golf cart on steroids, if you will. That's awesome. So, so no prancing horses in the garage any longer? You never know, you know, <laughs> uh, with the way the car market is, those things rotate off. They do. Okay, that's awesome. <laughs> I like, I like how you just kind of went around that. That was good. Yeah, 
prancing horses. <laughs> so here's the uh, here's the question we ask all of our guests uh, to kind of finish up the interview, and that's think about the time from kindergarten until just yesterday. Who is your favorite teacher, and why? There's a number of people, right? Um, obviously, I think my mom had a huge impact. Um, you know, we we went to school about 45, 50 minutes from our house, so we had a lot of drive time every morning. And I remember her drilling me about vocabulary and math and all that good stuff. Um, uh, she she had a little bit of a rough childhood. So, you know, she moved to Memphis from Arkansas at age 17, put herself through um, business college, if you will, um, enough to be able to get a job um, at an insurance agent and eventually um, be able to get to FedEx and work. Um, so she's a pull yourself up by the bootstraps kind of woman. And she instilled that upon me growing up uh, in, a, in a very real way. You know, when I mentioned earlier that I got called into Domino's the first time because they were having some lates, I was outside uh, with postal diggers digging digging uh, holes to, to plant flowers and trees. So that was a break coming to an air-conditioned environment at Domino's, right? Um, so, you know, work ethic, integrity. Um, I, I could talk on and on about how my, my mom, my mom um, you know, really instilled those principles with me. But also... Um, you know, I would say that we had a dean of students in high school, uh, and he probably doesn't know this, but he had a significant impact. I was a, a, a bit of a troublemaker. At least I've been labeled in high school. I made good grades and everything, um, but uh, there was some some times where I created a ruckus, if you will. Um, and he chose to take appropriate action, and that would ebb and flow, right, based on the severity of what I may or may not have done. But I think just instead of, you know, kicking the, instead of kicking the can down the road or kicking me out of school, um, you know, uh, he kind of demonstrated to me um, uh, a sense of the appropriate based on the circumstance. You know, um, I respected that and obviously kept me in school. Um, but on top of that, I just, you know, his love and compassion, you know, that he would show and he would do that for all students. And recently he had um, he, he had received a cancer uh, diagnosis and uh, a number of students throughout the years, you know, have communicated on social media and otherwise just the impact that he's had. And, and you think back and reflect and kids at young ages, again, who are they spending their time with? And today may be a little bit different. And obviously there's social media out there, but true one-to-one human relation um, exposure um, has a dramatic impact, you know? So those are probably the top two people, but there's been lots of them. And, you know, I got to get outside of 12th grade a little bit and tell you, you know, when I managed that first store, telling more stories here, um, but uh, I was told at about one in the afternoon that uh, RPM Pizza was coming by to tour my store. And I, I said, well, who's RPM Pizza? What is that? You know, and they said, well, he owns a bunch of stores around, um, you know, around the Mississippi area. Well, this Cadillac rolls up. And a couple of other vehicles. And, you know, it's Richard Mueller, you know, Mr. Mueller, uh, who came into my store with about eight other people. And they're all back of the store looking at this, looking at print and doing all those fun things. And, you know, I used that as an opportunity to introduce myself to him. And he did those lucky dog tours. So he was touring every store that he was affiliated with in the state. So hundreds of stores. And I asked him a simple question. I said, um, you know, what advice do you have to a kid that's 19 years old that doesn't know exactly what they want to do in the future? You know, and he said, find something that you love to do and happen to get paid for it. Right. Find something you love to do and happen to get paid for it. And um, I also asked him if he could show me how to make a perfect pizza. <laughs> and he threw an apron on and we made pizzas for five, 10, 15 minutes. But, you know, who am I? I'm nobody, you know, in a store um, that he's never met before. And I'm telling you about that, you know, 20 something years later. 
Um, and he's had that impact on a number of people, right? Arguably thousands and thousands of people within Domino's Pizza. So, you know, we never know who we're going to have influence over and on. Um, whether it's a customer coming in that's had a bad day or is having a tough time, whether it's delivering pizzas to St. Jude because, you know, your kid's in the hospital um, and you need a hot meal, or whether it's a team member who, you know, is coming to work, who has a rough home life. You, you just never know. So, um, again, using every day as an opportunity to serve others, I think, is, um, you know, is a huge opportunity and a gift for everybody. Yeah, I think one of the greatest things about being a Domino's Pizza store manager <clears throat> when you talk about team members is you have the opportunity to take young boys and girls and turn them into young men and women. And I, I think that's, Absolutely. I think that's a responsibility and a gift that we don't talk about enough. Mm. Mm. Agree. Uh, not to speak for you, Sam, but it's part of the reason that I got in the training, yeah. right? Because I can affect more than just the store I'm in or more than just the stores I supervise. So. Well, Jason, I'll, I'll tell you, I had uh, super high expectations coming into this conversation and and you crushed them. Oh, thank you. Every, every time we get a chance to spend some time together, it's always a learning experience. And I can't thank you enough for that. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. And, I, and I'll have to say, I mean, you know, what you guys have put together and the guests that you've had on your podcast and the materials that you put out and, and just your openness to share, you know, with Domino's Pizza and with others, you know, um, is, is giving back as well. So, you know, your content is spot on. Both of you are experts, obviously. Uh, but it's great to always share that information and, and again, you know, be a positive influence to everybody else. It's all about helping others. So thank you for everything that you do and continue to do and have a passion for. Well, we appreciate that. You know, Sam, we've had a lot of guests on here and it's amazing to me that, that sometimes you can feel the energy through the interview. And then other times you can absolutely, the energy is just pulsating out and Jason just brings so much energy and even when he did his little how he answers the phone, like you could hear it. And it's just it's just amazing why. It's not amazing. It's completely 100 percent understandable why he is who he is, where he is, where he is and why people surround him the way they do. Yeah, it's, I, I'm glad you said that, you know, in my communication workshop, we talk about body language, tone of voice and the words that you use and the words actually carry very little of of getting the message out there. And and for you and I, we got to see Jason because we do these things on zoom and you could just see the excitement when he talked about stuff and it's mesmerizing to, to spend time with a leader like that, that is so into what they're doing and so dedicated to developing the people that he's around. And, you know, he, he said it really well with the whole servant leader thing. Those aren't just words coming out of Jason's mouth. He means it a hundred percent. And it shows in the way he, you know, as he said, as he walks the walk, he doesn't just talk the talk, he walks the walk. And I would suggest to any of our listeners, if you've got the opportunity to make your way down to Olive Branch and spend a couple of hours with Jason in his stores and around his people, you're going to see a leader that truly cares about his people and because he truly cares about his people, he's able to produce great results. And he would correct me right now and say, he's not the one producing res the results. It's his team. And um, just fantastic. Jason, thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. So with that, let's hear about that virtual training event one last time. 
Hey, Sam, what do the best leaders have in common? Uh, They invest in themselves and their teams. That's right. And I think you, listener, can invest in yourself and your team just like the best. It's really this easy. You register for the Drew and Sam Talk Training Virtual Training Event Series. Just $49 grants you access to one event. But wait, there's more. $150, you get all four sessions, one per quarter. Wow, Sam, that's like getting one event for free. It absolutely is. And the first one, Drew, is going to be in March. We're going to focus on training and coaching. Then event two, let's focus on financial training and understanding. Man, I like it. To register, go to trainwithbty.com. That's trainwithbty.com. Go register today. So point of order for the second time in the podcast, that will not be the last time you hear about the virtual training. You will hear about it every single time you tune in to Drew and Sam Talk Training because we think it's that important. Willie Nelson, we've got Willie Nelson on the podcast again today. Take it away, Willie. Just really trying to get in trouble with ASCAP there. Point of order. <laughs> Point of order. It's the last time on this podcast you'll hear the ad. It's not, the, but fine. Yes, let's continue. <laughs> uh, and right there, my friends, you're seeing what hours and hours of show prep can do for you. Point of order. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Wow. All right. Suddenly so uh, the podcast has dropped into parliamentary rules of engagement. It's yeah. Yeah. Drew, yeah. uh <laughs> where are you headed next? I get to head out to Texas, to West Texas, and visit the folks out in Yano Pizza, specifically Teresa Robertson, who I've worked with in the past for years. Wait a second. Wait a second. Wait a second. T-Rob is back with the brand? Yeah, yeah. T-Rob, if you're listening, that is the best news I've had all day. I am so happy that you're back with the brand. Uh, She's out in West Texas, so I'm going to head out and uh, do some better than yesterday visit system training with their supervisors. And then I should have, by the time we drop this next episode, uh, scheduled to go back out to Seattle to do the follow-up for the better than yesterday visit system we did a few months ago. That's where I get in the car with the supervisors. They've been through the class already and they get some one-on-one coaching in the stores. It's just me and them in their stores. Uh, and I get to see how they're following the process and how they're interacting with their teams. That's what's up for me, Sam. How about you? Awesome. I'm heading down to Dayton. Uh, Chris Slater's got a new general manager that I'm going to spend a couple of days with. We're going to be working in the store, doing some hands-on training. Obviously, we'll delve into some leadership training with some some very in-the-moment things like that. We're going to work on how to close the store better. We're heading down to Kentucky to, to be with Chris Short's group again, uh, Ben Crace and his guys. Hopefully, a trip to Ohio in there. Still working on the details with that. And then I got some great news when I was in Oceanside with Shane. And he said that our mutual friend, uh, the farmers had reached out to him and asked him if he thought there was value in, in what I did. And, uh, thanks Shane. He said, yes. So hoping to get out and, and see the farmers and work with their store level team members. So the farmers 
you know, doing the whole shebang, you with the above store stuff and me with the in-store stuff and hopefully getting the whole team on the same page. Because uh, if our listeners don't know, Drew and I collaborate on a lot of stuff and we try to make sure that our messaging is very consistent from the top of your organization to the bottom of the organization. So that's kind of what I got coming up on the road. Looking forward to that. Then Sam, I think it's time we land this boat or dock this plane or I don't know, launch the rocket. No, wait, that's taking off. That's not, that's the opposite. Please fasten your seatbelts as we are in our final descent. (laughs) Thank you so much for listening. We'd love it if you would share these episodes with your friends, like them, follow us, and subscribe. This has been episode 26 of Drew and Sam Talk Training. I am Drew with Better Than Yesterday Consulting. And I am still Sam with Bowser Consulting. As always, go out and sell more pizzas. And have more fun. That's all, folks.